If you'd like to turn in your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, and we are in uh, going to be starting around verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. There are places where time stands still. For for a uh, six-year-old boy, the place that time stands still is called Joanne Fabrics. But for others, uh, you might feel like time stands still, uh, or maybe more in the sense of you know when will it when will the moment ever arrive? You know when you're traveling down the road and you really have to use the restroom. It feels like the time frame is excruciating. We have these moments in our life where it just feels like all we are doing is waiting. And it never really truly arrives. You young people, I, I know the feeling. I, I've gone to school, spent time in school. Time stands still in that class where you really don't like it. Like calculus, you haven't experienced that yet. Uh, but calculus is this unbearable time where you're just like, when will I ever get through this? Uh, I've had the joy of of having three children, and uh, the w- the waiting room and like the the baby, like all of the anticipation, those first few months are in- like they seem to go incredibly fast, and then like when the day arrives, the pain for the wife I hear I don't know, but uh, for Wendy was incredibly hard, unless it was Audrey. Like, Audrey, we got to the hospital, and we had Audrey. Like, it was like five minutes. Um, uh, but uh, for the first two, it, it took time. We were there waiting all day for Oliver to finally come. We, we live in a world where we have to wait. We have to wait for what we really want, and there's this, this sort of suffering that goes along with it. We use this word with our children when we're traveling down the road, and uh, we were going on family vacation there a couple of weeks ago, and and none of them said, "Are we there yet?" I appreciate that about them, uh, but uh, we were, you know, pumping movies in front of them. I think we watched 17 movies on the way down and back. I mean, it was like, "Don't talk to each other, just watch movies," um, and it was uh, for safety measures, you know, just to get us get us there. But uh, but it's that longing to get where you want to be, this longing and what we use is the word, you have to be patient. Well, we don't like the word patient, but if we look at like the actual etymology of the word and what it means, it means long-suffering. And that's not something that we particularly like as a culture, long-suffering. We try to do all that we can to avoid suffering. We don't want pain in our life. We don't want difficulty. We just want the reward. And so culturally, we have done quite a few things in our lives just to make our lives easier. And so we try to take away pain. We try to take away waiting. We try to just get ourselves what we want when we want it. And it seems like this is entirely contradictory to the way in which God operates. One of the most frustrating things about God, and maybe you agree with me on this as you think about it, is that God seems kind of carefree about time. God does not really share much concern with us about time. Us, on the other hand, we want God to answer our prayers, you know, not a year from now, but right now. 
who has ever felt that, that you're praying for something and you're thinking, okay, God, any time now, God, would you, please, would you please answer this prayer? Would you please help me get through whatever this is? We have all had experiences in our life where, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. We've all had moments in our life and experiences in our life where we want God to answer our prayers right now, right away. Difficult moments in our life where it feels like time is standing still. And we wonder, God, do you see what I'm going through? God, do you know the hurt in my life? God, do you see what's going on in my friend's life? Do you see what's going on in my children's lives? Do you see what's going on all around me? God, why are you not answering this prayer? Would you please get around to it now? Thank you. So we live in this world where we want control. We want God to do our bidding. We want God to carry these things out. And so God is this sort of paradox to us. He seems like a God who does not care about our suffering. That's how it feels because God seems carefree about our time and so he doesn't seem to want to walk with us or care for us or get us through what we're experiencing and it feels like, God, don't you see what I'm going through? Because if you knew what I was going through right now, you would answer it if you were the loving God you say you are. But then the flip side of that is as we read the scriptures, we see this God who, has, who is at work and cares deeply about the suffering of humankind that he sends his son to rescue and save us. And so our present feelings and emotions sort of darken our view of God and we wonder, God, do you not see me? And then when we reflect on who God is and how he reveals himself, he says, most certainly I do. This morning's message is about helping us all be encouraged to know that God is with you, that God cares for you, and that because you belong to God, nothing on earth can separate you from him. Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the hope that we have in you that our lives belong to you through Jesus Christ and his faithfulness. Lord, that despite our feelings, despite what our brains do to us, despite the feelings that we have that just sort of run away in our hearts to lead us to doubt you, to be frustrated with you, God, you seem, uh, you seem at times to not be so concerned about time, but you are deeply concerned with our hearts. And so we give today to you, that you would inspect our hearts, you would know our anxious ways, that you would know what we're going through and give us a great sense of your comfort, your peace, your encouragement today, that we would know today, Lord, confidently that because we belong to you, nothing will separate us from you through your Son and his love, Jesus Christ. Thank you for today, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You'll read with me, follow along in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that in the creation itself 
will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for what we do not yet have. We wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through, the wordless, through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Let's hop back for a moment to verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. If I could go back in time and change one thing that I said, what would, you, what would you go back to and change? If you could go back in time and change one thing that you said, what would it be? I've thought long and hard about this one, and, and it, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty firm one for me. Here's, here's what I said. It was after the birth of Oliver. Wendy, painstakingly, after hours and hours of delivery, all of the groaning and agony, all of the hard work that she put in. And I was thinking about how bad my back hurt throughout all of it. You know, I was like, man, I was holding and supporting and encouraging. Man, it was really hard for me too. And here's what I said. Oliver's, Oliver's out. He's here. And I said, oh no, honey, he looks like Grandpa Bill. Now, in fairness, my grandfather had a scrunched-up face and no teeth, and Oliver had that going for him. And he had the same forehead, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we have another Bill Eckes in the world. This is a problem. And uh, those, if I could go back and just say, way to go, honey, he's beautiful. Um, I would like to have that moment back. I don't know that that's how it works, and I've been paying for it ever since, but uh, no, she's, she's very forgiving, I promise, guys, yeah. Uh, but if we could go back to that moment, I would sincerely appreciate that. Uh, you know, Paul and other gospel writers, they are, are writers in God's Word, they talk about the birth, that, you know, the, all of the pain of birth it's worth the pain because at the end of it, you get this beautiful child that doesn't look like Grandpa Bill, but a special and created in the image of God. It's glorious, right? You get at the end this wonderful gift because of the birth of this child. That all of the pain, all of the work, all the things leading up to it, it's worth the gift. And so Paul, he says, he opens with this. He's saying, 
I get that we have all of these present sufferings. For the Christians there, they would have faced death because they loved Jesus. They would have been in prison. They could have been beaten. They could have been ostracized. They could have had their property taken from them. They faced death all day long, as how Paul tells us later. They are going through great difficulty and great suffering. And Paul is saying, yes, this is great, but I am telling you, it is all worth it in the end. And so my, the way I want to think about this passage is, if we can go through and experience great pain and suffering, but we understand that at the end of it, we would get a child given to us, I want you to think about this text then, when Paul says to us all of the groaning and all of the sort of pain that people are going through, when he starts outlining for us in this text, he's saying, All that we are going through pales in comparison to what is coming. And so what he says to us then is is that he looks at creation. He says, all of creation is groaning. And I don't know how creation groans, but I almost imagine that it groans in hurricanes, it groans in tornadoes, it groans in decay and death and suffering. All that creation, all that is created cries out to God and says, when will you make us new? When will you make us new? When will you heal us? When will you make things right? And so creation cries out to God, when will this suffering be no more? Not only does creation groan in our text, but it also shows that we groan. And this is not complaining groaning, though you all are good at that too, uh, not me, but we, we have this groaning, right, where we just sort of cry out and this, this pain or whatever we're going through and we cry out to God and we say, God, would you help me through this? God, would you help me in my marriage? Would you help me with my kids? Would you help me now as I'm single and trying to find my way? Would you help me with this, my bills? Would you help me with my life? Would you care for me? As we cry out to God and we look at the suffering of the world and we say, God, would you help people with mental illness? God, would you help the homeless? God, would you care for the poor? God, would you help us through all of the injustice? God, would you help us through racism? God, would you help us through sexism? God, would you help us through all of this pain? Would you help us through all of this, God? Would you help us through the election cycles? Would you help us through insufferable moments in our life where we wonder where, where our food will come from? Where you, will you be with us when people threaten my life? Will you be with me? God, will you help me? Have you cried to God? Paul says he gets it. Creation groans. People groan. And he says the Spirit groans. The Spirit of God groans. Everyone, no one is excluded from the cries of pain. Everyone, God himself, experiences this and says this groaning of this sighing together. Have you ever had a, just a deep sigh and somebody else has one right next to you? And you're like, ugh. The Spirit is doing that with you. This deep sigh and wordless groans where it's just an expression to God, we need you. We need you. And so Paul is helping us connect and see that 
Creation is growing, groaning. The Spirit is groaning alongside of each and every one of us. And his word for us is hope. His word is hope. And I think sometimes we think about hope as optimism. We know optimism, the typical illustration of optimism, that an optimist is a person who looks at a empty or at a half empty cup and they say, no, it's half full. That's an optimist. We need to get to the point where hope is different than our definition for optimism. I think sometimes we think about hope as saying, well, it'll be all right. Everything will be okay. Everything's not as bad as not a, everything's not as bad as it once was. It's not as bad as we think it is. And here's my sort of loose definition of hope. Instead of thinking about hope as optimism, where the glass is half full, I want you to know that hope is when the glass is completely empty and you say God will fill it. Or in fact, maybe the difference is that the glass is completely shattered and God will heal the gl- or bring the glass together and God will fill the glass. That hope is knowing that there is one who is greater than the present suffering who is going to bring about restoration and healing and reconciliation to all humankind and all of his creation, that God will restore and renew and bring peace. Hope is so much more than optimism because hope is the power of the resurrected Lord that says there can be death and there can be suffering, but there is one who is greater than it all. And so Paul can say to you with great confidence, he can say to each and every one of us that the present suffering that we are going through is not worth comparing to the present glory that's coming. That yes, the glass may be shattered. Yes, our lives may be broken. Yes, the world may be filled with wars and rumors of war and destruction and death and tornadoes and hurricanes and all sort of suffering, but God is greater than all of it. And even though we all groan, even though we all have a collective sigh, God, when will this be over? Paul says, there is something greater coming. It's not worth comparing what we're going through because what is coming is going to be so much richer and so much better. And so cling to that. Hold out and hope that God is greater. And so I'm... So then all of creation is groaning. We're groaning. Everybody is going through something. And then Paul says, Paul gives us a gift. Because I I know what you're thinking at this point. If you've been along for the ride this far through the series on Belong, you've heard these things. You've heard that you have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. You have heard that you belong to God through Jesus' gift of his life justifying you and forgiving you your sin. You're saying, okay, Jordan, I'm tracking with you. I belong to God. I'm forgiven because of Jesus. You've been encouraged through this series to be reminded that you belong to God and you've joined to him through joining with Jesus in death, burial, and resurrection through baptism. You've been encouraged to know that God is faithful and that God cares for you, that you've been adopted into the family of God. All of this has been brought up to you through the book of Romans and it's been reiterated and used big words. And just to tell you this, you belong to God. And you belong to him because Jesus was crucified and resurrected. You belong because Jesus is faithful. You belong because God is faithful. 
But here's where the sort of rubber meets the road. That's all good theology. Thanks for the theology, Jordan. Thanks for the Bible lesson. Thanks for telling me things that I probably already knew. Thanks for all of that. But right now I'm going through something in my life where I'm not sure that that's true. Right now there are people in my life that are frustrating me and hurting me. Right now my own mind isn't doing me any favors in how I feel in this present moment about my life and about my security in God. And I'm not so sure that when things are going the way they are that God is really there and answering my prayers. You may not be in that moment right now, but have you had that moment in your life? And so all of this good theology of all of this sense of I belong to God through Jesus Christ who's been faithful and has adopted me and I belong to God and I can cry out to God, Abba, Father, and I've been doing that and I don't know that I can keep going. Paul gives you a gift. He gives you this gift that all of us need to hold on to and be reminded of. And it's this frustrating thing about God where it seems like he's pretty carefree and relaxed about time and we're on a schedule. And things should be better by now. And Paul says, we know that in all things, in all things, in the good things, in the bad things, in the impossible things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to the purpose of God, who've been called to belong to God. God is working in all things for the good, for your good, for eternal good, for healing and for hope and restoration. God is working in all things for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purposes. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he glorified. That's the whole series right there. He called you, he loves you, he's justified you, and one day he will also glorify you. He will heal you. He will give you peace. He will bring, he will take suffering from us. In all things, God works. Repeat that after me. In all things, God works. And that is such a small phrase with eternal impact on our lives. To be able to look at the present sufferings and not compare our sufferings and say it's not worth it. We look at our present sufferings with hope that yes, the glass may be shattered. Yes, my life may be broken. Yes, I'm going through something right now, but God is greater than all of it. God can heal. God can restore. God can bring peace. God is with you. In all things, God works. And he's at work in your life right now. You know, uh, when I first became minister here, I was completely not qualified. I just want to get that out there. I had Bible credentials. I did all of the work. I even got an A. I got more than one A. I was a joke. Not very funny, but... Uh, 
but it has been through pain. It has been through patience, and it's been through perseverance that today I can sit with families and feel like I understand what they're going through. That I can sit with people who have experienced sorrow and I can feel and relate and empathize. I can sit with ministers and love them and encourage them to keep going. I can sit with widows who've lost loved ones. I can sit with folks in their marriage and walk walk through conflict and hurt because of patience, because of this long suffering in time. I can sit with families and say, God loves you and mean it because I have learned that it's true in all things God works for good. And it may not be the good that we think it should be, and it may not ever be in the timing that we want it to be, but what Paul is saying to us is is that the whole world groans and the whole world feels pain. And as we grow in this, we learn in this, and we discover that all of us collectively sigh, God, would you come home? And Paul is saying to Christians in the first century and in the 21st century, hold on and be patient and persevere and hold on to God and hold on to this hope. Who hopes for what they already have? But we hope for this. We hope for Jesus' return. We hope for him to come home and make things new. We hope for him to restore us to our loved ones that we've lost. We hope for him to give us children that we've lost. We hope in him to eliminate wars and suffering and poverty and brokenness and separation and all of the evil and all of the terrible things that come from sin. We look to God to make new. And there's this great crescendo crescendo, to close out chapter 8. And this is for you who belong to Jesus Christ. What shall we say then in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and he is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
when you belong to God, nothing separates you from the love of God through Jesus Christ. Nothing separates you from the love of God when you belong to him. This message series has been to encourage you that you belong to God. You belong to him because Jesus is faithful. Jesus has forgiven you. Jesus loves you. He did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's the message throughout the New Testament is this message of love and hope and salvation that you can have life in him. And so having walked through half of the book of Romans, this is my invitation. One is to renew your hope and your belonging. Be reassured that you belong to God through his faithfulness. If you belong to God, then should Christians be the most anxious people on earth or should we be the least anxious? Go ahead and feel like answering, right? The least anxious people, right? We shouldn't be bubbling over in worry about whatever happens this next week. We shouldn't be worried about what happens in the next hour, if you'll get to lunch in time or not, or if Culver's will have enough people staffed there. Right, I kind of think about that every once in a while. We should be the least anxious people, and we should have hope. Hope for our neighbors, hope for ourselves, hope for our families, and it's more than optimism. It's more than the glass is half full. It is, yes, I know the glass is broken, but God is coming to heal. God is coming to fill God is coming. You are the least anxious and you are the most filled with hope people on earth because you know that God rescues, God saves, and you belong to Christ. That's the invitation for Christians. For those who are outside of Christ, there is always an invitation to come and belong to Jesus, to know that he loves you, has rescued you, that he cares deeply for you. So the other response is to respond to his grace and his love for you today. To Come and belong to Jesus and give your life to him. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us, caring for us, and giving us a true sense of peace and knowing that we belong to you. We belong to you through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We have been called We have been justified, and we await the day that we will be glorified. Not for our glory, but for your glory. That you will be lifted up. That we will be restored to you. And so, God, for those moments in which we don't know what to pray, for those moments in our lives where it feels like our pain our impatience, our difficulties, Lord, makes time stand still. Remind us, God, that time to you is superfluous. The time to you is not of much concern to you, only that this present moment we would turn our hearts to you and trust you and know that you're with us. So we ask, God, that you would walk with us as your children you would lead us, that you would walk with us, your children, as our heavenly Father. Lead us to you. Help us along the way. 
for our anxiety, our worry, our pain, all of it, God. Come alongside of us. Give us peace today knowing that because we belong to you, nothing will